This is Edge Cases. I'm Andrew Pontius. And I'm Wolf French. And what's our topic this week, Wolf? Fillers and spillers. I, what? I don't know what that means, so you will have to enlighten me. <laughs> That's the idea. Uh, so, do we have follow-up? We do have follow-up, but I'm still unprepared for it. <laughs> have... You know, I should really stop asking you that question. <laughs> no, I, I like to uh, nope, be embarrassed. No follow-up, yeah. yeah, yeah right. that's it. I... Okay. Leave me out to dry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but do I'll you remember... have any follow-up? Uh, Ah, good. Turnabout's fair play. No, no, no follow-up for me. Okay, then uh, we probably can get right in it. Um, <clears throat> so this is a kind of a subset of the talk I gave at Singleton, and oh, mm-hmm. I uh, cut down and re- and didn't really restructure it too much. So it, this probably I cut a lot out of the the, the front of it. So we'll see um, this. Hope, you know, cursed again, but uh, I think this will be a shorter episode. Yeah. But, and um, no! <laughs> so the I was uh, invited to uh, speak at Singleton, um, which is a conference put on by Guy English, um, Luke Luke Vandal is, is that man. I love him. I'm getting get this right. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Yeah, Luke Vandal. I don't know. I've kind of flaked on his name there, but and Scott well, Morrison. And despite its name, there has been more than one of them. Uh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a very good point. Uh, I guess this is their third one. And uh, yeah, Guy even um, kind of invited me to speak at the f- first one, and I had some passport issues and stuff like that. And also, I wasn't really speaking at conferences during that time. And uh, Scott Morrison uh, convinced me to speak at this one because he's like, "Oh, the topic is going to be core values." And uh, it turns out I have a lot to say about value systems and and apparently core values type stuff. So I finally agreed to come out of my conference speaking shell. Uh, so this is going to be probably one of our more philosophical episodes, um, maybe even our most philosophical. But we'll see. So there's not a not a method dispatch to be found in in this entire talk. So uh, this might be a turnoff from some of you, but um, we'll see. So to kind of uh, set the tone that I I hold the radical opinion that all of humanity's progress hinges on technology. So I'll kind of let that sink in there. That And I, I actually believe this, that all of humanity's progress is based on technology. And to sum it up, I believe that technology has enriched humanity to the point where we can be nice to many strangers – that it's not not nice to just our immediate family, not nice to just our tribe, but to many people we don't know and maybe don't even particularly care about. That that we've have that technology has unlocked such vast resources that we're so unimaginably wealthy and in the kind of the Adam Smith use of the term of like wealth of nations type stuff is that uh, we basically technology has allowed life to become considerably less nasty, brutish, and short. Uh, but, you know, we're we're pretty much past the the stage of fighting over animal carcasses, and I think technology is the reason for that. So uh, you might think that you know that's kind of crazy that it all kind of hinges on technology, or is that's you know really the only thing that's kind of pushed humanity forward? Because you might think of things like political progress, like democracy, and uh, it's funny because I didn't intend this, but I actually uh, tweeted a, a link to an anime GIF. 
uh, I think it was this week, where I said my, my entire political philosophy summed up in one anime gif. And I'll, if you didn't see it go by, I'll include a link in there. Um, but it doesn't, but I, I do believe that, that it's, uh, I don't know if I should describe it. I think it would remove some of the fun. So if you saw, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you should go click on the link and enjoy I, it. If you, I did see it. I don't remember it there. <laughs> Apparently it does oh, not well. have as much weight with you huh. as it does with me. I, I'm not sure it was what I expected. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I would still hold that what little progress in like political progress we've made is a result of less resource contention, again, not fighting over animal carcasses. And uh, I would also argue that it's because of more widespread dissemination of the manipulation that our quote-unquote leaders use against the populace. So things like Machiavelli's The Prince is a good example here, where because of technology, because of things like the printing press, you have greater amounts of education where the populace can actually become informed and learn kind of the manipulations that our leaders use against us. So I ascribe the utmost importance to scientists, artists, and engineers. It's interesting because it used to be that I just kind of... um, I just described the importance to science, scientists and engineers, and I was pretty sure that artists weren't pulling their own weight in terms of a field, which was very upsetting to all the artists I know. But I've since uh, changed my mind on that. Uh, uh, Victoria has helped, uh, VL Song on Twitter, has helped uh, turn me around on that, and I think uh, I think artists are basically uh, kind of proto-scientists in that they kind of play with human conjecture and uh, human kind of um, creativity that in ways that we, when we don't understand something well, uh, that it's a way for us to talk about things, explore things. Uh, I kind of view it as like a primordial science now. So that's just what I'm, that's what I think anyway. Um, so point, so kind of moving forward here is that, so together humankind contributes to shared pools of technology. So each field has their own pool of knowledge, their own networks of people, um, and their own tools. And so I call the people who work in a field and contribute to the shared technological pool, I call these people fillers, that they fill the pool, uh, these shared pools of technology that's in each field. And each field of human endeavor kind kind of matches a personality type. Like forest rangers probably like to commune with nature. Uh, auto mechanics probably like to diagnose and repair mechanical failures. Uh, yoga instructors like to, probably like to bend themselves and others into wacky positions and use spiritual sounding names. But so my point here is that each field builds its own vocabulary, its own value system, its own cliques, and its own controversies. And in short, each field and its related pool is kind of insular. insular. That it's kind of, that they occupy their own bubble because of the networking, the vocabulary, the value system, the clicks, and so forth. So fortunately, there are people who aren't content in the comfortable confines of their chosen field's bubble. Uh, so these people are enthusiastic about a field, and like Prometheus, they bring fire to the rest of humanity. Uh, they work to bring the pool's bounty to the masses in the form of knowledge and artifacts, and I call these people spillers. And unfortunately, there's a tension between fillers and spillers, that spillers are kind of the outsiders, and they usually have a different value system than the fillers. 
and this is kind of what I cut out of the fir uh, first part, is that I kind of talked about value systems in the beginning of my singleton talk. Um, I didn't go into too deeply. There's a lot to talk about this kind of value system in general, and whether we should even use the term value system. But um, I'm, I, I think that uh, this, uh, to keep things kind of on point here and not kind of go too much off topic, uh, I'm just going to kind of assume that you kind of get the gist of what I'm talking about when I talk about value systems. And <clears throat> so um, I'll give some examples here to kind of help uh, nail this stuff down. So if we, when you think of science as a field, uh, here's some examples of its spillers. Obviously, scientists are its fillers, but its spillers would be like local TV news, USA Today, Popular Science, Discover Magazine, New Scientist. And obviously, there's a spectrum of respect from the spillers towards the various spillers that I just listed. So, for example, local TV news is probably more damaging to science than it is actually helpful. Uh, they get it you know, <laughs> wrong and distorted enough and kind of, you know, they they focus on the the terrible stuff or or the headline grabby stuff that it's like really it'd be better science would be better if local news didn't talk about science at all. Um whereas you look at like new scientists, which is still kind of like a pop physics type thing or whatever, and but I think it would get grudging approval even from crusty crusty graybeard scientists. Um there's it covers uh, science pretty well, and covers uh, obviously uh, you know science itself is huge, but uh, it c covers it pretty well and and uh, doesn't gloss over too much. I mean, I've got glosses over a ton, I, but I mean it does it in a respectful way, and it makes you it makes it clear where you're not getting you know the nitty gritty detail. Well, you have to you have to translate. You know, you have to uh, dumb down. You have to simplify because the people that you're trying to convey the information to can't be as informed and steeped in the knowledge of the field as as its fillers as you call them right exactly and you know it's and um yeah so it's, uh, it's not just a matter of them being dumbing it's actually a, a an interesting and difficult skill set to be able to translate like that i totally agree and so i mentioned art um some of art spillers would be walmart thomas kincaid art galleries art museums, and Banksy. And you almost can feel in your gut the amount of respect or the amount of disrespect that arts fillers would feel about each of these spillers. Like, the, you know, an artist, the idea that probably, I would imagine that Walmart probably sells more art than all the art galleries put together. Um, and, you know, they move a lot of picture frames with, you know, art in them. Um, whether this art is good or not, uh, I suspect the fillers there are not so happy about that. But uh, Walmart is, and and Thomas Kincaid sell a lot. They are effective spillers, and that leads us, leads us to Apple. So Apple operates as both a filler and a spiller, but I would say its primary focus is as a spiller, which is actually great because our field desperately needs its advances to be carried to the masses, and Apple does an excellent job at this. Um, but in its role as a powerful and perhaps the most powerful spiller of computer engineering, I feel that Apple has at times lost sight of its fillers, or at least the ones it doesn't employ directly. So Apple's spiller side at times has neglected its filler side. So if you think about Apple's famous Think Different ads, they use the word push the human race forward. And I think that Apple would interpret that to mean spread technology to the mainstream by making it affordable, approachable, easy, and sexy. 
But for the fillers, pushing the human race forward means to discover and invent. And discovery and invention is really the kind of the foundation for all true human progress. So spillers are very, very welcome, but really are mere catalysts. And, and this sounds kind of, I don't know, I actually don't know how this sounds. It sounds kind of bad, but I think spillers should know their place, that they are the catalyst. They aren't the foundation. So this brings us to section 331, um, <clears throat> which was Apple's rule, which is actually, it's funny because we've, like, we've gone so far, uh, you know, we have so much new blood in the field that I routinely run into iOS developers never heard of 331, so I, I should definitely spell it out here. Uh, it was Apple's rule that you could only write iPhone apps in C, C++, and Objective-C. And the intent of section 331 was, uh, this was in the App Store rules, I guess. Um, its intent was a death blow to flash on the iPhone. Right. And this is, um, the, the backstory here is that um, Adobe was working, uh, when the iPhone came out, they're like, oh yeah, we'll have flash on it right away. And it turns out they had no idea that <laughs> Apple didn't want that to happen at all. And they just thought, oh, this... this oh, I think they knew. They, <laughs> just, they just tried to get around it. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, Adobe was not in the loop when the iPhone was introduced. And, and they probably weren't in the in the loop when they announced that you could actually write apps for it. So they probably just thought, oh, you know, we, you know, this, this mobile Safari app eventually will support plugins, and we'll write that, that Flash plugin for them, or whatever. And uh, so they were uh, shut out of the iPhone. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so they, they ended up um, kind of taking a different tact with Flash in that they actually wrote an action script to, uh, I think it was an LO. LLVM compiler for ActionScript, so that way it could generate native ARM code uh, that you wouldn't actually need a Flash runtime. And this actually would be just a treat for uh, kind of Flash-based games. So you could write, you could run like ActionScript natively with, of course, with a support library, but even Objective-C has a support library um, on your iPhone. And Apple realized that technically uh, this wasn't a good way to fight it, and so they, they did it politically, which is with Section 331. And so as Apple's role as a, as a spiller, it made a lot of sense, but it was poisonous to the fillers. Um, so fillers need a wide berth to discover and invent, and arbitrary limitations like 331 stunt foundational progress. It maims the goose that lays the golden eggs. And, and when you believe, like I do, that all true human progress stems from technology, it is an act of evil, and I don't say that lightly. It's actually immoral. So banning Flash on the iPhone might have seemed like a focused respite from a backwards technology, but Apple's ham-fisted banning of all alternative languages belied their spiller-sized value system. Uh, when, when there was not a peep of out outrage from the Apple developer community about this, I realized either community did understand the stakes at hand or, that, or had a value system that was really different from mine. And so C4, which is my... my uh, Apple Flavor Developer Conference was essentially a love letter to the developer community after I've got after I had gained so much from MacAC and I wanted to see something like MacAC continue. And after three three one, I and the Apple developers community reaction to it, I realized I didn't understand the community at all, and I didn't know what to think. But I knew I couldn't continue on when I when I thought that you know this immoral act had taken place and and you know there. Were, I would say most of the developer community uh, cheered it. Like they didn't, they thought you know, it was just, you know, bad Flash. But Flash is bad. And as the guy behind Click the Flash, I agree with that. <laughs> but 
uh, they didn't understand kind of the, what I feel is the immoral aspects of it. And so I kind of withdrew from the community, you know, killed Z4, withdrew from the community for a while. And strangely enough, it was actually uh, John Syracuse that gave me a spark of insight that kind of led to me talking about this and kind of being able to understand all this in my own terms. Um, and so in one of his hypercritical episodes, he mentioned uh, Apple's Think Different ads. And it was then when I realized that Apple used the phrase, push the human race forward, that they had a different interpretation of that phrase than I did, which I mentioned what I think they would interpret that phrase as, which was um, spread technology to the mainstream by making it affordable, affordable uh, approachable, easy, and sexy. So when Scott Morrison invited me to speak about value, value as a singleton, um, with permission and even encouragement to yell at the audience, I realized I could actually – I had something to say, that I could – I could actually put terminology to all this stuff and, and actually maybe actually talk about this. Um, so it's, it's, ta- it's taken me a long time to try and understand what happened and try to gain a, a deeper understanding of Apple and the developer community and also my own value system. And to, thus, thus to kind of put this stuff into words, it takes amazingly a long time. Um, interestingly enough, while, while I was still reeling from all of this, Apple dropped 331 in response to a European Union commission investigating it as an antitrust violation, because they're like, hey, you can't do that, because um, now you're locking this competitor out of the market. And so apparently Apple thought it would be better to avoid an antitrust uh, investigation than thus, you know, Adobe was already on the ropes with Flash, so like, oh, let's let it drop, and we, you know, damage has been done effectively. Wait, has it been dropped for everywhere or just in Europe? Oh, it's been dropped everywhere, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think even while it was going on, they were giving sort of backdoor support for things like gaming scripting languages. Yeah, and that's, that was my impression. Yeah, that, that's the thing is that people held up the hypocrisy of like them, right. um, like EA uses Lua for the game engines, and they were they kept right. on shipping new apps and all this. It all went through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it I, made it clear that while Apple couldn't write down in its agreement what it really meant, which is "Thou shalt not use Flash." That's really what they meant and what they were willing to enforce at a practical level. Right. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, so 331 has dropped, and it's behind us now. But I'm still haunted by Apple's kind of selfish and evil act, that the de- and also the Apple developers community silent complicity with this, a- with this immoral act. Um, for me, it seems like 331's death seemed to happen because of technicality, not because of a reversal or even an enlightenment. It feels right. like it or something like it could happen again. Um, so now I'm now I'm trying to r- raise awareness on this. I'm I'm trying to name these concepts and hopefully to convey their importance. And to my value system, they're almost the almost the most important thing in the world. And so overwhelmingly, Apple is a force for good, and it it creates foundational advancements in its role as a filler and effectively spreads them if as to the mainstream in its role as a spiller. And I hope that by naming these roles will help folks think, think about this kind of weird, uncommon topic uh, that's really important to me. I also hope that Apple as a developer community will come to understand how foundational advancements are made, um, kind of you know where all this good stuff comes from, and their importance, which I think is of the utmost importance, and recognize that acts like these, these stupid little platform games that Apple you know, took part of, that actually hurt huma- humanity's very progress. So yeah, that's actually a short episode. Is that your whole talk? That's my whole talk. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we have a, quite a bit of time. Did you want to go back and 
and and you sort of fill in the beginning part um, if you think it would help. You know, it's I purposely kind of I I felt that the value system stuff is is something that I could talk a lot about. I could fill an entire episode, but it's not. I think that just by using the very word value system, like I think that engineers kind of grok it, and I think it would be kind of tangential to my the point I really want to drive home. And I kind of wish I had the guts to do like kind of a short talk of Singleton. I I did I felt I almost padded out with talk kind of deeper talk mm-hmm. about value system and all that because uh, they won their they were their forty five minutes or whatever. But this is pretty much you know the the core of what i had to say and it's you know i almost felt like i might have watered down a bit by kind of adding on more information so i, I think i'm just going to let this stand okay mm-hmm. um so i have a couple couple things sure um so you talked about um what was it fillers and spillers mm-hmm. i wanted to uh, to mention the you know the third group which is uh, uh sort of portly marketing people uh, uh the the shillers <laughs> you know, I, As I it did not occur to me until uh, what didn't occur to me when I was writing up my various text edit notes on this, yeah. or when I was giving the talk. But when I was uh, putting together my task paper outline for this episode, I saw Schiller <laughs> when I saw Spiller. So yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was cool. wondering so if that I, would that catch your radar, and it did. Right, I, you know, I just want to make sure we didn't leave, leave those out. Um, He's trimmed down, though, man. He's not not the poorly, <laughs> not Schiller we once knew. I was so when you were talking, I was trying to come up with you know an identifying aspect of it, um, and he's not the tallest person in the world. But I, you know, I didn't know how else to to, to make that uh, mark. <laughs> um, I would also be I would be curious whether you think you know when you talk about uh, Apple as being a speller, I mean any company that is making money, any which is any company is you know any American company that has a uh, uh, any company that has a, a uh, stock, for example, you know they've got a fiduciary duty. I believe it's called mm-hmm. to uh, to make money. Um, could a company that's in that position be a filler? Because their whole point is, well, we have to make money. You know, that's that's what they exist for. Now, if you, as the founder of such a company, might say, well, we're going to make money by doing X, but the whole point of it is to sell something. So, could a company? I mean, can you think of companies which are which are pure? Fillers. Oh, I think it's it's actually quite commonplace. Uh, remember the entire commoditize your compliments type thing. Um, there's a reason why like IBM poured billion dollars into Linux, right? It's the idea, and that advanced Linux, and they're giving that they're they're filling the pool, mm, and yeah. that's because they they want to you know basically wrestle control of operating systems away from Microsoft on the server side. Right. Well, they they were still a spiller in the sense that they did not pour money into Linux. For the sake of pure Linux development, they poured money into Linux so they could sell it, and so they could. They well, they could sold make the people, ser- they sold the yeah. services because, as you know, Linux needs a heck of a lot of sysadmin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they actually were right. did operate as a filler in that point, but yeah. uh, that they actually helped advance humanity. Um, but mm. uh, because you know they did it for not not to because they all the goodness of their hearts is for traditional responsibility reasons that they knew they could make a boatload of money selling services for all these new Linux servers. So you you push human knowledge in a direction that will help you, and it sounds like you're kind of saying, well, the companies that we should be the least um, uh, ad- admiring. Are the companies that have not found a way to push things forward, uh, not found a way to make money out of pushing something forward? 
Um, yeah, this is a little bit confusing. Jalkut gave me the, a feedback that he's like, which one do you root for, the fillers or the spillers? And uh, that's I'm just describing kind of the players. And yep. and both are really necessary. Like Fillers by themselves would be geeks locked in the room just talking their little niche language and never really shipping great apps. And that's one of the great things about the Apple developer community. Um, almost, I would say, not even almost, to its detriment, it's focused on on the beautiful user interface, the slick UI. Um, it's all about the pixels on the screen and how an app feels. And they don't care about you know, the Hollywood scene that's going on where you put your head through the window and it's all plywood behind because it's all fake. Like, it's just whatever, you know, it's all Hollywood in that it's, it's all just what it looks like and what it feels for that shot. And, you know, underneath it could be rotting garbage, but if it looks great, then that's all we need if it feels right. And um, I'm, I believe I, in kind of deep software where I want excellent architecture and excellent software from the ground up and also, also excellent UI. And unfortunately, both sides, you know, I, I, unfortunately, they seem to be like different tribes or something. Um, I forget, <laughs> forget your original question. <laughs> uh, well, just to, to take that a little further, I mean, I think when Apple introduced the iPhone, they wanted, I mean, they wanted to make money by selling phones, but they wanted to do that by coming out with a phone that was more technologically advanced in many ways yes, sir. than previous phones. They wanted to push push the, the, the state of the art of phones, mm-hmm. both in terms of software, but also in terms of hardware. I mean, That's they, Absolutely. people didn't think you could put that kind of uh, software on a phone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so they were trying to, to push things ahead like that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think, I think just the fact that they have to do things that are smaller does mean that they are maybe forced to push the back end more than otherwise, than if it were just big computers and I wonder, actually, if, I mean, of course, they saw that phones were the future and miniaturized devices were the future. But might it also be that they kind of saw that phones were just a more interesting mm-hmm. technological hurdle than stuffing more and more into your laptop? Oh, sure. Although, again, with laptops as well, they're just they're condensing, they're making things smaller, they're making things lighter. So really, in all respects, um, they've chosen a way to sell products that requires at least some technological advancement for each one. Sure, yeah, and I, I told and I acknowledge that Apple is both a filler and a spiller. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I realized what we were talking about when uh, Jalka's criticism: of who do you root, root for, the fillers or the spillers? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's part of part of the system that both are necessary. I would say that right. without the spillers, the fillers are almost irrelevant, and this kind of goes to the difference between. I do draw a distinction between. Uh, scientists and engineers and kind of science and technology you can think of technology as applied science but you know if is one informs the other one hand washes the other is uh, i think i th- that science provides a way to drive technology forward and i also am a big proponent of uh, pure science where it's you know i forget what what the term is but it's um, and the idea of kind of basic research type stuff where it's like you have no technological goal in mind, no product to ship. It's like we want to learn more and we want to test theories. And I'm totally a fan of that and it's really necessary. Um, but other, but if you have the fillers that's kind of in, in their own world um, – they, they're very happy in their own little world, you know, that advancing. I mean, I find myself in my happy in my own little world of technology that uh, I should say, you know, kind of computer science type stuff where uh, 
where I'm self-satisfied with the low advancements I make, and what, and it doesn't really matter if it actually hits a shipping pro- product. I mean, who among us is like, you know, we have an app in mind, and there's this one hard part of the app, and so we tackle that hard part and we conquer it. And you're like, oh yeah, and then, and then kind of the 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 drive, the fire to actually ship the app is goes away because like you you've solved the puzzle, you've done the science behind it, and and the technology side of that, that's like putting a pretty face on it, and kind of and kind of spilling it off to the public, and that's a lot less satisfying than than kind of the the, the filling side of things. So it's uh, so both are very necessary, but I feel that things like three three one were when spillers. Uh, had too much power over the fillers. Um, one of the things, let's see, that that occurred to me when you were talking about this is how Apple changed when Jobs came back. In that there were much more, there was much more in the in the way of uh, uh, undirected research going on at the right. company mm-hmm. before he came back, and then once Jobs did come back, he slashed most of that away mm-hmm. to the point where several people, several watchers, uh, industry pundits, whatever, uh, you know, remarked on how, uh, it was, it was unusual how little peer research was going on at Apple anymore, that mm-hmm. everything was based on specific product ideas. And while I, you know, I was only, uh, exposed to a small little part of the company, but my impression from what I did get while I was there was that, yes, it was very much focused on products. Mm-hmm. And so if they were going to push things forward, it was going to be for the sake of specific products that they wanted to sell and not general computing knowledge, general software or hardware knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, the Spillers have definitely been running the show since Jobs came back. And most people gave him credit for that. Most people Mm -hmm. said, well, now they're more focused. Mm -hmm. Now Now they're, you know, spending their resources, quote unquote, right in order to make more money off of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I remember when, like, when I heard, like, the, how, like, at the Advanced Technology Group, HG, was disbanded, and, and, um, it was, it was shocking when I heard it, but, um, it, it, even then, it kind of felt like the right thing, uh, because I was worried about Apple's future, and given how close they came to bankruptcy, I think it was definitely the the thing to do that they they put all the resources into their products, and and that's again is is kind of the lower the filler type stuff is that you can get into this thing where the things you right. work on is what's satisf- what's satisfying your little click of knowledge uh, of people who are interested in this one little field, and it and. At that point, the spillers really do need to kind of wrestle control of these, of this, the Prometheus fire, and spread it to the rest of humanity. And, and it, set more fires, you're saying? Yeah, set more fires. I'm all, in, I'm all for setting fires. Um, and it's what was the well? It, you know, Apple has so much money now that you know it's been talked about. I believe Horace Dedu has made mention of the fact that it's actually difficult for Apple to do enough with the money, the, the big piles of money that they have right now. Because mm-hmm. they're just getting, they're just acquiring them so rapidly and most of the things they could do as far as the company is concerned, like buying another company or, or, or stock buybacks or anything like that, that, there's only so much of that that makes sense. Um, it would be interesting to see if you could convince them to say, well, you know, why not start your, uh, your research division again? <laughs> um, you know, if you can't do anything else with the money anyway, why not do that? 
No, Apple does seem to be doing. Um, it, like I said, it, it definitely still has a spiller side, even when it ki- killed off ATG and it's, it's huge R and D type stuff. And arguably, that they're kind of like uh, working on the on the type of things that are actually really important. And uh, I, w- you know, it's it's not a bad thing to have your fillers kind of being directed by your spillers. That in terms of them kind of working on the things that are that. You know that is important to the non-fillers. That they're basically the the rest of the populace, the general populace. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's 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 the number one danger of the fillers, kind of staying in their own bubble. Um, but the, but we saw with three three one the danger of spillers running the show exclusively. That uh, maybe they just don't even understand of what kind of moral danger that they actually create by um, kind of in kill, killing that golden goose. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if that's it, that's it. Um, to see the show notes for this episode, go to edgecasesshow.com, all in word, slash 67. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>